that building full of grace, I dreamt that I was with the devil below in his great big fiery hall, where the devil was giving a ball. I checked my coat and hat and started gazing at the merry crowd who came to witness the show, and I must confess to you, there were many there I knew. Welcome to Dispatchist, a friendly conversation about hell and some other stuff. With me this week are my co-hosts, Jamin. Hello. And Victoria. Hello. And I am Jacob. And Hello. this week, Hello. Uh, I think it's Deal with the Devil. Woohoo! Again? Do well, you? What do you mean again? Deal or no deal? The devil. Deal or no deal with the devil. So a little ding, 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 ding. It's the Daily Double. The Daily Double Double. El Diablo. Um, <laughs> it's clear that we were a little rusty. <laughs> so uh, a, a tiny bit of backstory. Uh, last oh. month for Halloween, we did a pres- I did this as a presentation for our friends at the Glass Coffin. Uh, and I was going to record it and share that audio live and then have a video of everything. But I only videoed half the room and only half of myself. And only Which half? half? My left side. Okay, not like, <laughs> not like just your torso or your legs. No, I like positioned the, the camera mount to where it only showed like from my n- middle of my nose onward to the left, and that was only on a good day. <laughs> and then I only recorded the second half of the presentation. Oh dear! And then the audio was the audio was unusable. Oh, so I'm calling that a loss, and yeah. I'm happy to have my friends here to um, talk through this one again. Yeah, sure. yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad we're here too. By golly, yes. And there's, there, we're, we, it looks like we're all uh, we're all full. We're all complete. Yes, so. I, um, I I'm not record. I'm not podcasting from the left side of my face only. <laughs> uh, before we get started, it's a strange country. Did anybody bring anything <laughs> to the party? I did. I brought a drink. Yes, as is my way. Liz, 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 Liz did too, but it was like mead. It wasn't. Uh... Oh, yeah. That to be fair, it. her drink didn't have any toes in it. That's true. That's true. See, you got to you gotta have toes. <laughs> so, Jamin, do you, you hold grudges? No, toes. I definitely don't hold grudges <laughs> unless you put toes in my drink. I have a weird relationship with mead because I have bees. So people mm-hmm. always tell me, oh, you should make mead. But my experience with mead was uh, it being made by my friend, my junior high friend's hippie mom. And it was so disgusting (laughs) 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 that I will never drink mead. I've I've yet to have really good mead, I suppose. Really? There's good mead out there. At least I'm just kind of mead phobic, I think. You know, those like two gallon sturdy glass jars of cider. Yeah. There was like a period where I was making mead from the Star Trek cookbook, as I mentioned last episode, <laughs> and filling, which is kind of basically like, like light, sparkly honey juice, and filling up those those jars with them and just bringing them in my backpack to college with me. Oh, dear. <laughs> uh, we have a D&D cookbook, and I'm sure, I'm sure there's mead in there. There's got to be, be mead must in there. Be. Yeah. Can't be a dwarf without one. Oh, God, no. Or toes. Um... So my drink is the devil's handshake. Okay. Kind of fits. Um, So it's 15 milliliters lime juice, 30 milliliters. Yes. An entire Buddha's hand citron. (laughs) 
That would be pretty interesting, wouldn't it? Maybe as a garnish. Like you make this in a yeah, oh, make like it in a punch holding bowl. On to, holding on to uh-huh. the edge. <laughs> oh gosh, yes. <laughs> be great if you could have a floating. So 30 milliliters pineapple juice, a teaspoon of ginger, and 15 milliliters simple simple sugar. I can't talk today. Simple sugar syrup and 45 milliliters tequila oro and 77.5 milliliters egg white. So just a a taste of egg white. Right. Exactly. Do you do you you froth it? Do you whip it? I think it's one of those uh, frothed drinks. Okay, so the egg white adds adds Uh egg egg whiteitude meringue. Yeah, it adds it adds it adds fluff. So, so lemon, no, I'm sorry, lime, ginger, lime, uh-huh, pineapple tequila, juice. Yep. Oh, pineapple juice, mm-hmm. meringue. Essentially, yes, because uh, the sugar syrup and egg white would. That that doesn't well. sound bad. That's not well, a lot of meringue. Like, that's just a f- delicate froth, I it's think. It's a hint. It's a hint of a sousson of meringue. Hmm. But, so you make a ginger puree um, by, of course, uh you know, pureeing the ginger in a food processor, then you add to a cocktail shaker and add all other ingredients without ice and shake for a few seconds. Add ice and reshake for 10 to 15 seconds. Strain into a highball glass with ice and then you garnish with the Buddha hand. What is it? A Buddha hand? Buddha hand citron. Uh-huh. And it knocks the glass over. So, yeah, and you don't have to drink it. <laughs> the dogs come over and, <laughs> and lap it lap, up. Lap of the egg whites. And it looks like they're rapid <laughs> and it's just a downward spiral into insanity. I mean, it makes a whole lot of sense, actually, given our, our um, topic. Isn't today. that our normal spiral into That's, insanity? That is, that it's is true. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I did bring some light entertainment. Oh. Being flattened with a pack of devil's hammers. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was hoping you were going to say deviled eggs. Yes, that's like, oh, okay. What a delicious way to die. Retraction. Being flattened with a pack of deviled eggs. Yeah, yeah, that's very light. Bring very it. light. Not Bring filling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I linked I you both, and I don't know if we can get this re re um what's the word for re Instagrammed, retweeted on Instagram. Okay. Oh, it's charming. What what I, went wrong with this? It's a croissant. A cro- oh. oh gosh! <laughs> I saw this and I was like, I must have this. And I must share this. It's like, a, it's like a little sh- shoe with like little charms holes. Oh, dear. <laughs> it's a croissant. And there's little, there's little bits of butter. That's lovely. Oh and God. somehow kind of Dutch almost. It really does look Dutch. Yeah. Bits was, of butter. Or, I was or hoping like, it was like a crucifix croissant. Or like a child's shoe from a cartoon where they have big chunky feet. Or like Mickey Mouse feet. Or the Dutch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. This is what Minnie Mouse would bake for footwear. <laughs> That's so incredibly accurate. Or, or actually, the, the Hans Christian Andersen uh, girl who trod on a loaf. Oh, yeah, Sorry. that combines foot, uh-huh. footwear and gate to hell. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I, I do have a Dungeons & Dragons related bit of hell news, and I'm very okay. excited about this. And that is that there's an upcoming adventure book, probably one of those thick, chunky, hardbound ones, and it's called Chains of Asmodeus. It's a Dante-esque journey through the nine levels of Dungeons and Dragons hell. And I'm mm-hmm. super duper excited by this. Rock me, Asmodeus. 
Yeah, D and D's hell anyway. This may be the the trigger for me to like float an episode on Dungeons and Dragons hell specifically. Oh, I think we could probably do several. Yeah, don't you? Oh um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Whether, I haven't read the source books. Doesn't want to do that. <laughs> I'm not saying I don't. I'm just saying yeah. I'm not. It's familiar right. with the source. I have source. every edition of the Manual of the Planes and Planescape. Um, I have green crayons, I feel like, oh are with our two powers combined. Oh, dear. That's true. I'm way behind in our D&D campaign. I have no idea what's happening anymore. Hmm. That's yeah. that's how my, my partner goes through day, day to day on my D&D campaign. Oh, dear. <laughs> They're a little abstract. <laughs> oh, so I have hell news as well. Yes. So I don't know if you guys heard about this, but um, there was a uh, during the restoration of a 230 year old painting um, by the artist uh, Joshua Reynolds, who died in 1792. They discovered the the restorers discovered a demon figure. Oh, really? Yes. By Reynolds? Yes, by Joshua Reynolds. Um, so the painting is a, uh, it's called The Death of Cardinal Bupert, and it's a scene from oh, wow. Henry VI, Part Two, I think. And um, it was, it was kind of lost to time because a lot of people didn't like the idea of a demon being in a painting, especially because the demon is sort of a literal representation of the character's guilt on his deathbed. And that's, um, that's a thing to do it's a with thing. like popes and cardinals is to yep. kind of like yeah. um, mm-hmm. throw them under okay. a bus. Reynolds, yep. what's it called? I just linked it. To is, it. Oh, it's a really oh. cool picture. Uh, the feed is pretty terrifying because <laughs> I just yeah, thought, oh, it's just going to be like creepy background thing. It's yeah. A little, like, a little like Gollum with fangs. Yeah. Because they just kind of kept painting over him. He was already sort of in the darkness and the way, the method of painting and it meant that he was already sort of receding, but then over time he was painted over. <laughs> and so there were some original copies. Yeah. So in cleaning and restoring the painting, they they uncovered this really creepy figure. Oh neat. Mm-hmm. So the devil is truly in the details. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool. Really cool. In another life, I would love to do that work. Painting, painting over, over art. <laughs> I was just going to say, like looming over dying cardinals. <laughs> so I, 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 I derailing myself a little bit. I saw a documentary about that woman that did the restoration of the of the. Oh yeah, and made it look like a monkey. And Gia, some, things they, Jesus. some things they point out, and this is like law of unintended consequences in a, in a nice way, is that for one, that painting was an unremarkable painting. And not like a unique thing, but one of others like it. And mm-hmm. like it had very little value as an art piece on its own. Mm-hmm. But the restoration and like comedy tourism has brought so much money to that temple. <laughs> it's been like a huge boon to the economy that she did that. And that's beautiful. Hail Harris. That is. Yeah, that is. I sort of like that weird um, disruption of... Uh, or the flattening of like culture. I don't know. I can't even describe what I'm talking about, but. And, and you have a degree in humanities. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just no throw the word. Knows. I'll just throw Gramsci. I'll just say, oh, it's, it's Gramsci. And there's this kind of 
anti-hegemonic thing that's happening with the with the chia pet jesus and i have one more bit of hell news this also really excited me owen davies who wrote the book the history of the grammar which is a lot of what i know about occultism released about a month ago the art of the grammar an illustrated history of magic books Ooh, cool yeah and it it coincided with my first pair of bifocals uh, Owen Davies. <laughs> Owen Davies has a seven-point font fetish. Oh, very sakes. Uh-huh. Man, I can't look at any label on anything anymore without my cheaters. Yeah, this is what you have to look forward to, Jamin, because you're the youngest of us. I, I was talking to my my eye doctor, and like we went through the whole thing. She's like, "You don't need bifocals yet." And I was like, and she's like, well, how often do you struggle? I was like, well, when I read the instructions on like my pill bottles, I just take my glasses off and do this. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like once or twice a month, she says, just keep doing that until it gets bad. That's what they told Eric too, was like, oh, you're fine. Just keep using your cheaters and you don't really need glasses, glasses. But he and I have gotten to the, we've gotten to that stage of coupledom where you share an eyeball essentially. (laughs) Oh dear. I know. <laughs> I didn't know I had this to look forward to. You do. You do, sweetie. Hmm. <laughs> okay, I guess should we talk about <laughs> devil devil deals? Yeah. So what brings us here today? Yeah. Well, I just we already did this preamble. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so where do we start then, Jacob? Well, I figure some technical vocabulary is in order because that is the way I roll. Uh, and that is that according to the people that know about these things, namely Malus Maleficorum and the Maleficorum Compendium, mm-hmm. there are two types of demonic pacts. Okay. One of them is the tacit pact and that, and the other is the um, expressed pact. Now, tacit pact is having like a signed document. And there's the classic, sign your hand in blood here. Etc. Deal with the devil. So very expressed legal document. That's tacit. That's tacit. And this is kind of also at the during like the height of like medieval feudal, like around thirteen hundred or so. So legal deals and things like that, contracts were kind of important and in the in the air at the time. The expressed pact is much simpler. You basically, but it does. You basically make a verbal deal with the devil, but the devil does have to be there to, or a representation, a representative, a representative of the devil has to be there. Mm-hmm. So there's some formalities, but um, it can be very simple. Like one one German housewife's pact was that she'd jump backwards from her bathtub good, to find the gap saying, as far as I thus leap away from Christ, so much nearer may I come to the devil. I've done that before, but not with the devil. Just leapt out of the bathtub. <laughs> No, no. I, oh, that's uh, cold water. <laughs> the further I come to James Joyce. <laughs> no, it was actually Pinocchio. I was trying to, when I was like five, I was oh, obsessed yeah, with yeah, Pinocchio. Yeah, the, did the, I the, tell you the story? You did. I don't remember this one. This was I, this mm-hmm. was at the Glass Coffin it's we had this story, discussion. Right? We did. Yeah, I think okay. so. Okay, Where okay. I was, uh, well, I was obsessed with Pinocchio, and so I decided to create a ritual to conjure or to okay. summon Pinocchio. Right. <laughs> and I was I doing this. Yes, David, because I was doing like, I just ran, like, why did I think at age, whatever that was, like, oh, I already know that I, I can do chaos magic to make things happen. 
<laughs> I mean, isn't that what eight being eight is? Just pure chaos. You just add magic. I think yeah. so. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, let's go back a step okay. to the word tacit. Tacit. Okay. When I say the word tacit, it means like, like, what calm and quiet, not written down. What? Like placid? Am I, am I thinking placid? Well, you know, like, is... like a tacit agreement. Mm-hmm. Understood or implied without being stated. Your silence may be taken to mean tacit agreement. Yes. In this in this case, it implies a written pact. This is a definition from like 500 years ago. So some things might have shifted in legality and such. Okay. I don't I don't honestly know what that word meant in the Middle Ages. Yeah, because yeah. like... Ta- a, a tacit written agreement but it's unspoken though so the opposite is the spoken agreement and, oh and then, yeah, so the, this is the opposite being true and okay so, okay yeah 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 um and another kind of thing about this period is that also we're kind of getting into the period of um sacramentals do you remember talking about those this is like little magic items for common people to use in religion like sprinkling salt and things like that mm-hmm. so the mm-hmm. idea of like a little bound thing that has magic built into it is kind of important too um did you happen to watch this uh video from the university of netherlands University of the netherlands no what is it <laughs> so it was fascinating because a of all it was from the university of the netherlands and it was in English, but all of the subtitles were in Dutch. I feel like maybe that should have, I was surprised that that wasn't the other way around. Um, but it was fun reading the Dutch uh, while listening to the English. But it's a professor talking about his research into packs with the devil and alongside like- How the bloody hell did I miss this? <laughs> I'll send it to you. Oh, well, yeah, too late now, but- <laughs> I mean, it was interesting, but it aligns with what a lot of what you were, uh, what you did in your presentation, we were talking about, you know, the, um, the influence of magic, you know, sort of specific kinds of magic that weren't necessarily Christian and how that fed into the sort of Christian idea of the pact with the devil, but sort of talking about how all of these things have certain aspects uh, to them. You have to state a goal. You have to um, have a particular demon or devil to summon. You have to prepare yourself in various ways. That is right out of the 1700s grimoires. Yeah. You have to have a place for it. You have to have a circle and then you proceed with the summoning. But where he, the explanation that he had about- a charcuterie board. (laughs) Well, it's essentially like, he made a distinction between, so magicians did not, there was no such thing as a sacrifice necessarily. It was more like the things that you use, like blood, blood of a bird, bones of a bird, uh, maybe a mole, blood or bones from a mole because they're closer to the underworld. Yeah. Those, uh, or incense, those are things to create a bridge to entice the spirit. What's the, um, what's a- the game word for those? Well, reagents like, yeah yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. reagents uh, correspondences uh-huh. also i've heard and that that feels very much like the 1300 style of black magic to the 1400s yeah where you have mm-hmm. like the the picatrix which is a, you know basically a book of spells and there's a lot of things involving like okay you need about 20 percent of a black cat in this ritual you can discard the rest of it mm-hmm. um and a lot of kind of like shock your mother stuff but it did have a lot of 
mini components. The book of Cyprian is kind of the same way, but that is actually like later than the 1700s. So I'm not sure that's relevant. Yeah. Cause so if you start thinking about like, oh, you just think like the, um, the hell broth is just full of gross things. It's no, actually they they represent, or they're seen as some kind of, um, yeah. What, what, what were you saying? Like reagents to connect with spirits or to entice them. But he also yeah. talked about purified food and of course the incense, which also seems very, and the blood seems very close to a communion. Yeah, I can see that. Well, I mean, there's like just basic ritual ideas, you know, fire, mm-hmm. scent, um, important things like blood. I mean, this is like any any ritual kind of can draw on these things. Like one one thing that's kind of important in ritual work is to keep your inner child awake. Like if your inner child stops sleep, starts sleeping, the spell is not working. Mm-hmm. But the more excited mm-hmm. your inner child is in things, I mean, this is kind of a metaphor, the more the spell will work, the more the magic is real to you. And so it's really good to not only have the sword, but wave the sword wildly in the air. So it's like, uh, instead of, you know, like in meditation, you're supposed to quiet your monkey, monkey mind. This is like, Uh, activate your monkey mind. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, Isaac Bono was was talking about this in one of his books. And he says that when, when he was doing a Wiccan ritual, like someone would sing the kind of the old song, we all come from the goddess and to her we will. And it's just kind of like monotonous dirge. Mm-hmm. And like you can just feel your inner child falling asleep unless you really work at that to make it more exciting, like do the circle dance or something like that. So does he I've... recommend tub thumping by Chumble? <laughs> <laughs> he drinks a whiskey drink. I suppose that would work a little better if it was like kind of like aimed at the ritual as opposed to end up getting drunk and and uh... isn't getting, getting out, drunk getting a again. ritual? Mm-hmm. No, it it's is. An, it's a hobby. It's an activity. Well, but it's, it's also I mean... an altered state. So what the other funny thing about this video is on YouTube. The video, the next video it suggested for me was a TED talk on working together to make things happen, (laughs) (laughs) which is true. Please link this video, please. (laughs) So the the pact thing, another term which we've used once or twice before in, in, in our ongoing hell journey is the idea of the elaborated theory of witchcraft, which is how witchcraft really came to full flower as like the great enemy in the 1400s or so peaking in like the late 1500s, I think. And that is the idea rather than like witches just being a force that cast bad spells or witches being kind of an ambivalent force that's like, you know, whatever you pay them for, they'll do. Or witches being a mythical thing that cackles in the wilderness. This is witches that fly in, have a ceremonial thing with the devil, which does involve sleeping with him and making a bargain with their souls with him and then getting magical dark powers that they use to undermine um society and specifically attack fertility mm-hmm. um this is kind of, there's some very some important things on this i'm sure we'll talk about unbaptized baby broth various relations with leonard that sort of thing are all kind of part of the tapestry of this but the pact was really just integral to this idea and the, the elaborated theory of witchcraft was kind of foundational to the idea of the pact as well. All the pacts do predate this, and we'll definitely talk about that. I have a question. Yes. Because I did, I spent much of my research time trying to find 
a feminist angle on this. <laughs> and lo, I can't find a feminist angle on this because in all of my, uh, granted, I didn't do a super deep dive yet. I would like to do that to see if I can find something. But it seems as if all of the packed uh, rumors about women all have to do with witches. There, It's not a singular woman who has kind of used it to gain power or authority, um, which I find, well, it's very telling, I suppose. Like, I don't know why I thought it would be otherwise, but there's only one figure that pops out of just kind of this generic witch pact. And that's um, Antoine Rose, who supposedly, she's kind of where we get that idea of the witch where uh, with the, Broomstick and um, pack with the devil literature is extremely hegemonic. Oh, to totally, like a huge and, degree, and it's it's direct. It's it's always like a moral fable against something, against the bad, against women, against learning, yeah. against science or whatever. So, uh-huh. like, there's I don't I can't think until the like 19th century I can't think of any pack with the devil stories that were pro the pact or or pacty or whatever the pact man uh, <laughs> yeah when it starts my, to get my, arty yeah yeah, uh-huh. yeah a new technical term um so like rhetorically it's very heavily biased against something and it's 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 a you know a bad example style of literature are you saying that all the liter- literate all the literature examples are examples. This is the example of the person who made the pact with the devil, and this is how they suffered. Well, I guess I could start with the very first major pact with the devil story to emphasize oh. this point. And this one has a feminine angle, if not a feminist angle. Uh, yeah, there's always like dudes want to get it on. No, not that. No, it's nothing like that. This is, <laughs> okay. This is this is this is this is a a a, a weird church politics based thing. So okay. The first major Faust before Faust was Theophilus of Adena. Mm-hmm. He was the standard go to story of um, Pack with the Devil for about a thousand years. He's also called uh, Saint Theophilus the Penitent, and mm. he was probably an archdeacon in around five hundred or so A.D. The story is relayed to us by his student, uh, colleague, I don't know. So here's the story of Theophilus. He was a very nice guy who, as a kid, was given to the church as a, as a ward and raised there. Uh, he was very nice and uh, very humble, way too humble, actually. But a wise bishop trained him up and gradually he became a vicar, which is like, you know, the priest of church. And soon the bishop himself was um, died or was retiring one of the two. And the people that Theophilus worked with wanted him to take on the role of the bishop. But he said, oh, no, I'm far too full of sin. Ooh. Medieval does bad things to you, I think, that kind of mm. church outlook. So much shame, yeah. so much trauma. So uh, the guy that took over the bishop role fired him good new boss move. And Theophilus's first response was, well, this will give me even more time to focus on Jesus. So I, I don't, I kind of don't like him because that's a little bit too humble for me. I feel like a three-day bitch session is in order, but this is a written narrative and not actually what was experienced by Theophilus at the time. I don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. A lot of these stories, I'm going to just kind of skip over this for a while. Like most Pack with the Devil stories involve, I went to my friend, the Jewish occultist. Oh, and he, yeah. And he introduced me to Satan. So let's just have that as as written. It's mm-hmm. part of this mythology. Um, there you go. So he goes to his friend and asks how he can use occult power to get his station back. The friend leads into a dark place filled with many specters in which were the, which were the inhabitants of hell, clad in white garments, and many of them holding candles in their hands. And in the midst sat enthroned the iniquitous prince, king of death and son of perdition. The not perdition. I know Bob and Larry perdition. You know, but not Bob and Larry. Bob and Mary perdition. <laughs> I like, why not Bob and Larry? Because it was not the right moment for Bob and Larry perdition. <laughs> um, okay. So he and this devil character sign a contract in, in sometimes in later versions written in, in blood. This myth goes over a thousand years. So like what the actual core myth is, is hard to say. Our major version of this was written in the non-dramatic words of Hrathvitha, a thousand-ish AD church writer. Okay. So anyway, we don't know what the full story, the actual story is. It's probably in the Book of Olden Legend as well somewhere. But he signs his contract. In this contract, he attested that he willed to be the associate of the black spirits and eternal punishment throughout endless ages. And when this contract was completed, the vision of hell of the devil straightway vanished in every direction and Theo in great joy returned with his wicked friend. So he becomes a bishop quite quickly after that. He gets his vicarage back. He becomes the bishop. And he, I, I, I think in some versions, he kind of becomes like a horrible dick. <laughs> well, duh. But Again, in the later like medieval versions, he starts to go a little bit crazy. He has like 40 days of like Edgar Allan Poe style going deep crazy until the Virgin Mary finally comes to him in a vision and gives him a six page speech that is actually longer than the rest of the story by like 200 <laughs> percent. And then they she goes to hell. And this is an early time of the Mary interceding physically in hell. And that is and this is the, the this is the kind of proto-feminist moment you're talking about right because she actually has a voice oh because mary's a girl i'm not i'm not saying it's feminist but it is it is a a a a a, a, she as a nurturing figure intercedes Mm. in hell in a way that jesus wouldn't on a one-on-one level her people right like that's that's an important role and it's something she does a few times now which we'll definitely talk about in medieval land Mm -hmm. Um, she goes to hell and gets the signed contract back and they take it to his church and he confesses everything and they burn the pact and he feels forgiven and he immediately dies. And that's a medieval happy ending. Right, right. Because he dies absolved. Right. Uh-huh. Like, why would you want to be absolved and live a moment longer? Like, oh no, what if I accidentally sneeze and step on a sin? Right. <laughs> what if I trod on a loaf? <laughs> what if I... Tr- Someone, someone commenting on this said, well, you know, he had been fretting for a long, long time about this. And he might, it's like the idea of him dying after burning the pack is not totally unreasonable given the amount of like self-flagellation he might've been doing or more emotional flagellation, I guess. I don't know. Mm -hmm. So the rhetoric here is fundamentally Christian. It's against um, wagering your soul. It's against seeking power. It's against... Sometimes against deep learning or like learning about the occult or seeking things outside of God. Okay. So this is a tacit agreement. Um, Yeah, it is. And we don't learn how to make the pact 
other than have a Jewish friend. Yes. I think okay. the how-tos tend to be later in the game. The how-tos kind of orbit 1450 or so. That is a magic number, I think, in some ways, or that that period where uh, evil becomes very visceral and hands-on as an activity. Mm-hmm. 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 So another kind of pack with devil story, and this one, again, it doesn't really say how it was done. It's kind of in the backstory is Cyprian. Yay, uh, Cyprian. Cyprian. Who is the patron saint of necromancers. Uh, and that, uh-huh. that is indeed a thing. It's cool. It's cool. Uh, as mm-hmm. it happens, uh, he's all, he's definitely in the book in the Golden Legends. So if you want that book of medieval craziness, just come over. You can take it from my shelf. It's quite heavy and filled Will with Will do. Yes. I'm doing it right um, now. <laughs> he is really wildly popular in kind of South America and Portugal and Spain. And uh, his name kind of brings a lot of grimoire energy to the Americas. It's actually one of like dominant occult books down here. One of the books written in his name, probably in the 1800s or so. So Cyprian, there's another Cyprian who was an archbishop and not in Carthage, not Antioch. And it is very, very likely that the idea of Cyprian the mage being a archbishop, being a saint, is because of like cross-pollination or confusion with uh, Cyprian of Cathode, 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 Carthage. Carthage. So Cyprian's story is that he wanted to study the occult, and he did, and he became a learned mage. He traveled to Babylon. He studied Chaldean mysteries, and he settled in uh, in Antioch, which is the, would it surprise anyone if I said this was like the major home of the Jewish intelligentsia during the like early medieval. Mm-hmm. So always that kind of connection there. Antioch uh, was, is Turkey? Yeah. 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 Um, so he sounds kind of like a really common practicing mage. He like does spells for people on our quest, divinations, love spells mostly. He sells spells. But the more epic legends, he can fly and do mind control, take out entire armies and summon castles. And that is a very genie in the lamp sort of thing. Wow. Yeah. And I think the book of Cyprian actually kind of alludes to how to cast this spell. And it is very genie in the lamp. But the, the full story is that he had all these powers. He was asked to cast a love spell on Justinia, who's a very chaste religious woman. Mm-hmm. And he, he he tried to cast a love spell on her, and she just kind of blew it off. She wasn't affected by it. And so he threw like big demons at her to drag her in, and she panicked and made the cross, and they all just vanished in a pool of dust. And he said, oh, there is a power greater than mine. So he made the cross, and all of his pacts immediately exploded but he does become a theurgist later on, kind of a religious mage. So bear in mind that you can wipe out all of your deals with the devil by making a little cross gesture in front of you. So that's an important thing because we do learn about his uh, specific method of demonic pactum. So in the book of Cyprian, we, we get to, we find out about his pact with the devil story or his pact with the devil spell. It is the um, ritual of the tiny devil in a box, which sounds absolutely charming. So I was hoping that that's where you're going with tiny devil pack. Like, like, oh, is it a tiny pack? Is it a tiny devil? It's a tiny Holy devil cow, in a I box. hope it's a tiny devil. It's a tiny devil in a box. It's a diorama. It's a diorama. It is, it is. But I mean, think about it like as a genie in a lamp sort of thing. It's a very similar story. So you you get an egg. And, and of course it has to you be do. like an egg laid by a black hen from a black rooster. Okay. Uh, and you add 
one drop of the bloody Rapinki finger to the egg, saying, I, with the blood of my little finger, make this deed to the emperor of hell, so he may accomplish for me all that I desire in this life, and should he fail, I shall no longer belong to him. Okay. Uh, you do the egg thing, and then eventually, I guess quite quickly, actually, a tiny devil manifests in your egg, and you keep it in a little box, and will grant all of your wishes. But it also binds you to permanently to hell. Except that this ritual in the Book of Cyprian is like eight pages after we learn that you just make a cross and poof, all your bindings go away. <laughs> I cannot think that these are rhetorically linked in the book somehow. Do, like, oh, I see a workaround. Do you crack the egg or do you put the pinky blood on the shell? I think you have to like crack the end of the egg maybe so there's like an egress. Do you put the blood in the egg and then try and hatch it? No, it's not about hatching. I mean, symbolically, it's about hatching. Mm. You just put blood into the egg and then put the egg in the box, and it, it eventually creates a very powerful devil. Super powerful. Like, this will grant all of your wishes. Like a devil concentrate. I mean, a very tiny... It's it's a genie in a lamp. It's just a does genie he, in a lamp with what horns. What does he look like? Um, Mel Brooks. I don't know. <laughs> does he have a tiny little voice? He has to, like, speak through a little tiny megaphone so you can hear him. Rob Brydon, the, the British or Welsh comedian, has a whole thing about a uh, man, tiny man in a box, or he speaks like it sounds like he's a tiny man speaking from inside oh, of a box, like a cuddle of Marvel. Uh huh. Yeah, one of the things he's known for. Oh, it's very cool. Uh huh. So that's Cyprian, and oh. um, he, again, then the, 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 the Cyprian is a big figure in like black magic and grimoires, um, and he does continue to have some powers. But he, he gives them up in the story. So kind of the bad person can never be victorious. And of course, like 30 years later, he and Justinia get eaten by lions. They're martyred together. So it that's happens. kind of the end of the story. Okay. Wait, was he casting the spell on Justinia for himself or for someone else? I He started casting it for someone else, but I think maybe he got a little bit obsessed because he couldn't control her. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why you obsess over a woman. It's like... Yay, yes. patriarchy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right here, I can hear you. <laughs> and so to be can, fair, so no one's trying to control you. Please don't destroy nuns. me. <laughs> Statistically, half of our audience of two is female. <laughs> yes. Uh, so Cyprian, the Book of Cyprian has a ritual that is very much based on the Grand Grimoire, which is pinned um, well after he gave up magic. So he presumably was able to import ritual material from the 18th century. He was probably that powerful. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Um, the next pact I wanted to get into, and we're starting to get into late into later medieval, was Gubert of Nugent. Mm, okay. And I'm not sure about my, that's G-U-I-B-E-R-T of N-O-G-E-N-T. Okay, think, okay. That's the stuff in Snickers bars, right? Yes, that's nougat. Hubert <laughs> <laughs> of nougat. Um, he was a monk around a thousand or so in France-ish. Uh-huh. He did not actually sell his soul to the devil. Okay. He, he is a, a very twisted up around chastity and such in a way that kind of feeds very much into the 1400s witch craze, which is all about control of sexuality and things like that. So I kind of want, well, there's a number of reasons I want to just briefly touch on Hubert of Nugent, who in his memoirs, which are very sad, actually, like there's so much pain in this guy. um, He talks about the 
single gayest pact with the devil I can easily imagine. <laughs> and I spent about a month giggling about this. <laughs> I'm really hoping I can get this important information to uh, Dr. Justin Sledge, who does the Esoterica podcast. He's mm. been teasing a sex with the devil topic for a while, and mm. I want him to know mm. about this story. And you've heard my complaining there's there's no 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 gay in in hell oh yeah yeah, yeah which so, is shocking to me yeah so so we will read on mm-hmm. um gibert talks about a young monk who wants to learn black magic so he goes to an occultist friend uh, is the friend jewish i'm gonna say no this time <laughs> just just for variety but you no, know that's fair he is, he is jewish um and his friend arranges a meeting on the appointed day, the monk stood before the devil and asked to be initiated to the devil's teaching. The devil, abominable mentor, the abominable mentor though he is, replied that it was impossible unless the monk reneged on his baptismal vows and offered him a sacrifice. The monk asked him what this offering should be, and he said, that which is most delectable in a man. Uh, what is that? asked the monk. You will make me a libation of your sperm. No. Yes. No. Yes. When you have poured it out for me, you will taste it first as it behooves the one offering the sacrifice. No, this is like a frat uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) situation. Twisted up around chastity. What a crime. What a shameful act. It was demanded of a priest. This is what your enemy of old does, O Lord, to blaspheme and dishonor your priesthood and your sacred host. The wretched monk whom you've abandoned did what was asked of him. He made the horrendous libation, and at the same time, he abjured his faith. Oh, for... Oh, this made me me happy. To be Uh, fair, (laughs) to be fair, the libation, which was the most delectable of a man... Yes. Did not okay. include a zombie toe. Truth. That's why I'm gagging. There's no toe. <laughs> There's no toe. Where's the toe? So my my slide here had a huge 50-point font thing saying, bless me, Father, and anoint me with your oil of nard. I saw that. <laughs> oh. So it is totally, it, it is totally like somebody who... Um, very closeted. Very closeted. Yes, very closeted. But not just about gay necessarily, but just everything. Uh, everything. Like and completely in, in, a, in a meta closet, a closet of closets. Right. He's a tiny, he's in a tiny box. Yeah. And I think it really like, this is a place that seriously underlines the sexual degradation as a part of the pact. Like you have to kind of uh, sexually submit because that's as base as you can go. And it's like physicality over, over spirituality and things like that. Um, this is the kind of the mindset that leads to the entire idea of succubi, because that's like tightly tied into the idea of celibate priesthood and the idea that like in a dream, you could like lose control of your sexuality and like sin without even intending to, unless your mind was so fiercely pure mm-hmm. that you can not do that. So you mentioned succubi. Yes. Have I got some, well, I've got a story for you then. Because I actually got Gubert confused with Pope Sylvester II. Oh, everybody makes that mistake. (laughs) (laughs) Because his birth name was Gerbert of Arlac. And he also was, he's French and from the same time period. He was born in Gerbert of Arlac. That's his his birth name. 
names like this make Leonard not seem quite as funny. No, Kerbert. Um, but he was born in 946 AD. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so early in his back when he was just just go, good old Gerb um, in his clerical, early clerical or ecclesiastical uh, career, he did a lot of good. He yes. promoted mathematics. Um, he invented the mechanical clock. Hey. Cool. And he brought abacuses back into fashion. Abacai. As accessories? Um, did they ever go out of tools. fashion? They as did. Tools. I think uh, okay. because, well, I have to, maybe this is, there's a lot of anti-Muslim stuff mm. going on at this time. And so I mm. think because, I don't know. But uh, he uh, also, unfortunately, started to study the occult. Um, and he used an Arabic spell book that was stolen from a Spanish uh, magician, I think. Okay, okay. Um, that tracks. While he was doing this, he met a female demon who's... Uh, Suppose it, it, it's assumed that this demon was a succubi and was his lover. This mm-hmm. demon was named Maradona, Meridiana. Mm-hmm. Um, and during this time, he's a pretty busy guy. So he's like doing it with a, with a, a demon. And he also made this huge robot head that would answer yes or no questions, which kind of freaked everybody out. So it's kind of like the Zardos head in Zardos that is sorting yes. around yes. No, <laughs> saying I'm... yes or no. Um, Yes. No. Penises. Guns. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, So um, there's several stories, but the kind of uh, root story is that she introduced him to the devil and he won a dice game with the devil, um, Mm -hmm. which meant that the devil would make him into Pope. So he became Pope. Right. And um, he was actually... (laughs) Because he was a very strict pope and required all of the clergy to be completely on the up and up uh, morally, he was very disliked, as you may imagine. Yes. Um, yes. But one of the prophecies, uh, or the devil, like he was, he was warned that he would, um, the devil would come for him if he ever said mass in Jerusalem, and so he was supposed to go on a pilgrimage there, canceled it, yeah. but made the rookie mistake of uh going um, to jerusalem texas <laughs> you're very close he spoke mass or read mass in the church in santa croce santa croce santa croce croce um in jerusalem or jerusalem uh holy oh. cross of jerusalem in rome oh, okay nice boom so and this is pope sylvester yes and so he <laughs> It's unclear what happened to his body. He was either chopped up and his remains strewn about, or the devil mutilated him and uh, gave his eyes to demons to play demons to play with in the church. Huh? Yeah. So that's Pope Sylvester. Mm-hmm. Gerbert. Old Gerby. I have a tiny Zardoz thing that I have to relay because it's in my head right now. And Please we're do. All about the digressions. We're all friends. Um, we're all I've, we're all fans of Zardoz. I've seen Zardoz, I think, three times now. Each time, I paid less and less attention to it. The third time, I got all my housemates together and I basically said, "Watch this film. It's amazing." And then I snuck out the back of the house. <laughs> <laughs> Did you sneak back in wearing the little weird? Uh, uh, onesie or what? It, it's almost like a wrestling. Um... Uh, yeah, like a little wrestling thong. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> no, I didn't. That would have been out of character for me at that point in my life. 
That sounds like something I would do. It's like, hey, guys, watch this movie. I won't be here. <laughs> it was really hard to watch. Yeah. Okay. It's not, it's not good. I would like to tell you something I've learned. Okay. About Pope Sylvester. And I say I learned. I mean, I literally just read it like a minute ago. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Pope Sylvester. Do, 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 do. Uh, in Austria and Vienna, people walk pigs on leashes for St. Sylvester's Day. Yeah. Which is fine. And they eat suffering thuckadash. Many Christian households in Germany mark St. Sylvester's Day by the custom of bligessen using Sylvester Bly, Sylvester lead. In so which. Or all of this. Okay. Many Christian households in Germany. Yes. Mark Sylvester's Day yes. by practicing the custom of bligessen. You wouldn't believe it, but I do not know that word. It's okay. So they melt lead in a bowl. No, I'm sorry. <clears throat> they melt lead in an old spoon and drop it into a cold water. Into oh, cold so water. It's lead guessing. Yes. Mm. Okay. And so the 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 practice is molybdenancy. Right. Hmm. So molybdenum is lead. Yeah. But it's dropping molten lead into water and seeing what happens. And that's your that's your future for the year. So basically, it's if you get a ball, it's lucky. If it's a star, it's unlucky. If it's a cat, you're actually a werewolf. Okay. So, you melt lead in the house, breathe the fumes. Like, this sounds like a fun thing. Can we do this? Um, are you sure it's Sylvester 2? Pope Sylvester 2? Oh, wait. Were there the- more than one Sylvester? Yeah, yes. one was a de- one was a necromancer, uh-huh. and the other was. But I like the lead thing. I do like the lead thing. I was hoping okay. that you would say that they celebrate by like playing with eyes in churches. Oh. Yeah, I didn't know molybdenancy was a thing. No, but that's cool. Okay, so, so whatever the shape you, is. Afterwards, uh-huh. you bury the lead. Did I just read the wrong Sylvester? I think I, you might have. You know, but probably, that's okay. Probably everybody confuses them because that's the way Saint Legends work. It's the mustache. Yes. Uh-huh. I think it is. So I don't want to get to tons of depth on the witch trials because I know we'll spend like a few episodes on them eventually. Um, and we already have as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but in demonology and the Malefus Maleficorum and the Compendium Maleficorum, which is a, a more detailed work from like 1608, they outline the steps for a witch's demonic pact. Okay. I want to just reference this because it's on topic and then kind of move on because there's so much about the witches that we could talk about or what they mean or whatever or their magic. But the 11 steps to making a demonic pact, medieval cartoon witch style. Uh, step one, reject Christianity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And the formula they give is actually from Theophilus. Uh, I deny the creator of heaven and earth. I deny my baptism. I deny the worship I formerly paid to God. I cleave to thee, and in thee I believe. Mm-hmm. The devil, if he's there, will give the pact member a new baptism. Uh, if there's not, then there's the other option of unbaptized baby broth. Mm. Okay, which, so uh, the, that stands in for the devil? Right, somehow? because UBBB will give you like all of the occult knowledge of the entire like dark witch tradition all in one broth it's like packed and like big massive lore dump matrix style mm, okay okay then you get a gotcha. new name you get a new name and it should be very metal like death claw or something like that <laughs> becky and then you <laughs> deny your <Becky>. parents <laughs> wait what 
deny your godparents. Okay. But they, they gave deny... me Christmas presents. Well, I, I know you have to get it with you have a new family that gives you baby broth. <laughs> gives you babies. You deny Pass. your godparents and, and your confirmation at the same time. And you get new godparents, which is kind of nice. Mm, um mm-hmm. Step five, you give the devil a little souvenir, like a scrap of clothing, usually something with a piece of blood on it. Uh, step six, you swear allegiance to the devil within a circle. Seven, this is one I have trouble with. You ask the devil to strike you out of the book of life, okay, and write you into the book of death. And mm, I question mm-hmm. this because why? Why would anyone want to be written into the book of death? I think that's a reasonable question to ask of the medievals, but there you go. Is that um, like the Puritan thing, the... During the witch trials, that was kind of the the analog of the book that you would sign if you, you know, as part of your commitment to the Puritan church. And maybe tied to that, but I've avoided Uh uh, American witchcraft stuff because there's 50,000 deaths and 12 of them are in America. So like this is this should not be as epic a thing as it is in our in our minds. Right. Okay. Sure, sure, sure. Um, But but that doesn't mean that it's not important. We won't discuss it later on. It just means it's not really part of the like the medieval witch traditions so it's much. not relevant it's less relevant okay uh pinky swear to do bad things uh, kill a child every month uh, yeah. do a lot of other bad things a great okay. engage in sort of witchcraft period marketing scheme and recruit new people uh mm-hmm. and give your demon lord a nice gift every year it has mm-hmm. to be black right that, that goes with everything it's true uh you receive the devil's mark where whatever that is could be anything you make an awful lot of vowels you insult mary you trample on man on relics so it's mm-hmm. like a jumping up and down and things like that you promise not to use the cross sign of the cross we've learned about that and go to all these parties with the devil and things like that and then you must sleep with the devil or multiple devils or like a goat with a sign around its neck saying satan i don't know <laughs> misspelled yeah satan, <laughs> satan with an eye snatter and if you're female although maybe if you're male i don't know you you have the option to have the devil's baby oh. uh, but that seems to be optional and it gets it gets really complicated and i feel like jumping up and on all these relics and things like that is really going to make me tired but that is like the 11 step process for the both tacit and expressed pact of the devil made in the medieval witchcraft faux tradition. Can I, can I give praise to um, Michelle remembers briefly? <sighs> sure. Always. Cause it adheres very closely to this. Mm-hmm. Like I was kind of stunned. Like somebody did their research, I guess for better, or for worse, probably mm-hmm. for more for worse, but it also, yeah. So all of this, continues into Michelle remember a satanic uh, panic stuff. It's like part of a racial memory at this point. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So defacing the relics. Yes. Let's go back to an earlier conversation. Sure. The woman who was restoring the painting mm-hmm. <laughs> and utterly like, what if this was her satanic ritual? She, what if she was just like, Hey guys, let me just scrub you wubby wubby this painting. She seemed mm. awfully nice. They all seem nice. And I think she was wearing a cross. It was, was it? made of like wax. <laughs> well, okay. That that sure. She has a closet in her back room mm-hmm. full of defaced rituals, which she uses to summon Satan. Okay. Calling Trample it right relics. here, right now. Yeah. Okay. okay. Let's go. Let's 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 invite her on. <laughs> an, an Etsy store full of, de- of trampled relics. So then I went on to talk briefly about um, Urbane Grandeur. Yay! Yay! I love, I love this story. Oh, okay. But I have uh, I have just a few things to add to it because sure, I'm fascinated sure, 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 by sure. this story. So mm-hmm. uh, 
Grandier uh, was executed for sorcery in 1634. Um, according to, and this is really like at the high peak before the kind of decrescendo of the witch hunt movement, which really kind of fizzled in like 1650 or so. He was an influential priest with an influential family in, in Loudon, France. A lot of stuff happens in France. Oh, yeah. Um, and around 1630, the daughters of the king's lawyer had a baby that looked a little like him. Then there were affairs with a lot of local noblewomen and maybe babies that looked like him. And he got a reputation for having a big sexual appetite. And a part of this was because he wrote a monograph against clerical celibacy. And said, P.S., I have a large sexual appetite. <laughs> that was, that was, was after the, the author section at the, at the end. Yeah. My great granddaughter died in 1634 and had an enormous sexual appetite. Um, and he, he made an enemy of Cardinal Richelieu, who mm-hmm. is a villain in like almost 100 movies. So he seems like he'd be a bad person to make an enemy of. Mm-hmm. And then like the uh, head of a local convent really got, got obsessed with him or got the hots for him. or Sister got... Jean de Angers. And I don't want to like, do, I'm not sure where the blame falls in this story, but she sounds like she was kind of a, 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 a character on her own. I've got some stuff on her. So very soon after, presumably he broke up with her by text or something like that. <laughs> broke up her with by illuminated manuscript um, uh, all of the nuns in the convent started barking were possessed by asmodeus the demon of lust and they were swearing and having visions and speaking in tongues and they brought in a lot of exorcists from out of town who said there was a lot of big name demons including behemoth leviathan astaroth and all of them were possessing the convent and they were all called there by urbane grandeur mm-hmm. and he was burned at the stake it happens. Yeah, and at the trial, they brought up the con- the the uh, the signed contract, which presumably Mary had to go and get. We have <laughs> to we have to share that because it looks like it's it's kind of crazy well, with all the signatures and stuff. Yeah, and the signatures pull like from Ware and the grimoires of the time. Like they're yeah, they're very mm-hmm. all these sigils style. and I have mm-hmm. a translation of the pact. Oh, oh, yes. Uh, so this is this is brought as trial evidence in the witchcraft trial against Grandeur. We, the all-powerful Lucifer, seconded by Satan, Beelzebub, Leviathan, Astroth, Elamy, and others, have today accepted the pact of alliance with Urbane Grandeur, who is on our side. And we promise him the love of women, the flower of virgins, the chastity of nuns. Is that a good thing? Uh, worldly honors, pleasures, and riches. He will fornicate every three days. Intoxication will be dear to him. He will offer to us once a year a tribute marked with his blood. He will trample underfoot the sacraments of the church. There's the trampling. Lots of trampling. trampling. He'll say his prayers to us. By virtue of this pact, he will live happily for 20 years on earth among men and finally come come among us to curse God. Done in hell, in the council of the devils, signed by Satan, Beelzebub, Lucifer, Emily, Leviathan, Astaroth, notified by the signature and mark of the chief devil, and my lords and princes of hell, countersigned by Belbreth, the recorder. So it's like some pervs vision board, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's everything. Money, pleasures, the chastity of nuns. And who doesn't want the chastity of nuns? I would rather have a candy bar. Okay. Yeah. A Mars chastity. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it didn't sell well. <laughs> the next Willy Wonka candy. He's like, I've invented this in my workshop. The, uh, 
The it's the chastity of chocolate. <laughs> the Esoterica podcast says that this spirit list in this in this pact is actually like written into the key of Solomon later on. That makes total so sense. It's kind of time travel magic there. It's, everything is borrowing from everything else. Mm-hmm. Can I tell you about our other protagonist in this story? Sure. So that is our sister, Jean de Angers. Yes. Otherwise known as Joan of the Angels. She was uh, sexually fascinated by Grandier. Well, and I mean. He... Who wasn't? Right. Get a picture of him. All right. Yeah, um, well, apparently a lot of people were. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and give a shout out to the movie The Devils, which is. There are two movies about this, and one is, I think it's called, uh, it's a Polish movie that is uh, Mother Joan of Mother Joan, Mother Joan of Angels, and then there's The Devils, 1971, from Ken Russell, with Vanessa Redgrave and Oliver Reed, um, who is, we can all agree that Oliver Reed is actually evil, or was actually evil, um, okay. but it's based on a novel by Aldous Huxley, The Devils of Lodon, and um, which I haven't read. But both of these bring out, like, the Polish Wait, ones. Sh- should that be a book study for us at some point? The Aldous Huxley? The Aldous yeah, Huxley. I mean, we like, Huxley. like the fake Aldous Huxley. No, the Aldous Huxley. Yeah. Um, Aldous Huxter? <laughs> what's, what's interesting to me is that like, the Polish version sort of brings out the romance in the story. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, they're both very loosely based on this uh, story, but the romance one... The Polish one brings out the romance, like there's, you know, a priest who takes on the demons of Sister Joan or Mother Joan and mm-hmm. ends up murdering to save her soul. And then the, the Devils is actually rated X, or it was initially, and it's banned in Finland. Oh, um, wow. Because it brings in uh, more of the political intrigue, it's very explicit about that, and it's also super violent and super sexually explicit, so it remains one of the most controversial films of all time, and my background picture is from that. But uh, just a little bit more about her. So she was sexually fascinated by Grandier, and she wrote in her autobiography that, when I did not see him, I burned with love for him, and when he presented himself to me, I lacked the faith to combat the impure thoughts and movements that I felt. So I also want to read her autobiography, by golly. It oh, no. sounds like quite okay. a bodice ripper. So maybe we're having it like a grandeur month. <laughs> I think we might be. So uh, he didn't know that she was obsessed with him. And so he actually turned down an invitation to become the spiritual director of the convent. So that's what set her off. Right. Um, and I must have him. Yeah. Or so no in, one six, will. in 1632, she kind of sparked the whole thing by claiming to have been seduced by a specter of him. And uh, and again, in her autobiography, she claims that he took from her that which she had vowed to keep for her heavenly husband, Jesus Christ. And I'm just going to put in a marker here how how disturbing it is, the whole Brides of Christ thing, and mm-hmm. especially when it's made explicit like this. Yes. Um, but also, uh, she the according to the sources that I saw, there are two dozen no, I, nuns. I just, I just have like this explicit Jesus sex scene in my head right now, and I cannot it, shake it. Yeah. Um, have you seen the movie? No. Okay. I, I, it, it's, it's not. <laughs> we'll, we'll, have, we'll have an evening. I haven't, yeah, I haven't seen it. I've only read about it and I don't know. I don't know if it's a movie you really want to see with Ooh. anybody. No. <laughs> I think it's oh. maybe for, for, I don't know, because I think it's really disturbing. Um, I'll, take the, I'll take the plunge. But with amazing, it's got amazing cinematography um, and I great am, actors. Yeah. 
great actors. But again, I think it's it's a yeah, it's both controversial and also acclaimed for its artistry, I believe. It's yeah. Um, anywho, so there are two dozen nuns who are possessed, and Sister Jean was supposedly possessed by seven demons, which I kept Party. reading as dwarves. <laughs> because maybe she's Snow White. She also had a hysterical pregnancy and supposedly had a cross on her forehead that bled continuously for three weeks. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. And gave birth mm-hmm. to bunnies. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, what was the name of that? There was the, what was the name of the woman who gave birth to bunnies? No, I've, I've, I've led us down a path. Oh, no, but that's a whole other story. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. That's a fascinating Mary T- thing. Mary Toft. Mary Toft, the mother of bunnies. <laughs> Not the mother of dragons. <laughs> Mary Toft, mother of dragons. Anyway. Well, if Buffy's taught us anything, bunnies are... are um, are not what is it the whole Anya songs? <laughs> Bunnies are not cute like everybody supposes. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do they need such good eyesight for anyway? Right. <laughs> Anywho, so that is a little bit more about our other protagonist from this story. But yeah, they all recanted. Yeah, although and, they were like having like flashbacks and things for a long time after. I mean, I guess you do this stuff mentally to yourself for months on end. Mass like hysteria is a thing. Yeah, yeah. They, couldn't, they couldn't easily shake their their um their hysteria their 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 shared thing. Even if it was even if it was false, they couldn't shake it later on. Mm-hmm. But so, also, even though they recanted, he was still executed because Richelieu. Right. So, right. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't don't mess with him. He's, do you he's not the mess bad with guy. Richelieu? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you want to talk about Faust or just we don't talk about Faust? Oh, no, no. <laughs> we talk, do, you, do you have things to say about Faust? I just, uh, it was so easy that I left him out of the presentation. But no, no, that was a different I mean, environment. I feel like he may figure in, I mean, he was a real guy or based on a real guy, yeah. two, potentially two real guys who are actual magicians who uh, were rumored to be buddies with Satan. Okay. And there's, you know, the, uh, the way that he died, um, he blew up. <laughs> he blew up. And it could it happens. be it could be due to a failed experiment, or a lot of people say it was because the devil was claiming his soul. But at the first Explosively. <laughs> but the first Faustian story was based on these two Ger- this, you know, German compilation of people um by Johann Spees in uh sixteen. 16- uh, 1587, and that's where we get the continuing Faust legend with Christopher Marlowe and Goethe. Um, and that's how we get the figure of Mephistopheles, that sort of becomes our party city devil, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So he kind of fits into me a little bit better into the whole history of Satan yes, or what we think of as Satan. Definitely a part of that look and feel. And also, I think he's part of the the more important uh, Leonard story. Because yes. the parallels between Mephistopheles and Leonard are quite strong. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of where we also get the sort of uh, rubric for what we understand of what we what we understand about summoning, like the key yeah. steps in, a, in summoning a demon or the devil. Right. Well, um, I mean, the Fausts were really there in the heart of like the early Grimoire period. And like Johann Weyer was also kind of right there in the mix. And. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, Agrippa was kind of also yeah. mm-hmm. like there's a lot of like cultic overlapping 
mystical stuff happening up there in Germany for a while. So it's mm. not really surprised mm-hmm. that the, the Faust story kind of picked up some solid demonology. And also like the word Faustus became like the word for a, a demonic grimoire for a while or a Faust book or something along those lines. And it's and, how we refer to deals with the devil as a Faustian bargain. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So that's kind of, that's like, he's, he's definitely like a part of that story. And I think his is like in the Faust uh, play, the ritual he uses is, is kind of it does feel like very tied into this form of occultism um they draw circles and mm-hmm. binding books of the circles with zodiac signs and names of saints and gods that kind of weird avoidant approach uh relationship with deity <laughs> yeah and also i mean the the legends bring lilith into the story too she does appear in a in a crowd mm-hmm. scene later on in the brocken um, yeah, I, I wanted to be played by eartha kit so that, that's uh. reasonable I think that's reasonable. I think, well, like Eartha Kit, circa Cat, uh, Catwoman period. Eartha yeah, Kit? I mean, younger okay. Eartha Kit, not like she's mm-hmm. not like the Emperor's New Groove Eartha Kit. <laughs> yeah, like like Catwoman, Catwoman Eartha Kit would be appropriate, or Diana Rigg, like Avengers era Diana Rigg would be good. Yeah, I love right. Diana Rigg. So thinking about Faust and the influence on pop culture, I wanted to talk about some historic. Uh, rumors of Faustian bargains and some more kind of cultural ones, uh-huh. figures from culture. Oh, okay. Not, yes. Not, not literature necessarily. No, real people who are associated okay. with various forms of culture. But I, I will cover a couple of interesting uh, historical figures just from different places that we haven't, well, we have talked about one place, but we haven't talked about Iceland. No. Not We've since not Christmas. So not this never. is very interesting. No, because so, yeah. the Yule Boys. Yeah. That was Iceland, so right? Iceland okay. I t- oh. It's just been a while. It's and been do, a while. I do want to put a pin in this because I want, would like to see, this might be a whole other episode or a mini episode about other cultures and sort of pacts with not necessarily the devil, because this is a Christian thing, but underworld figures potentially, because mm. there are those. There's certain figures, like in Haitian, Dominica, the um, Dominican culture there's a figure called like a baka or, or something it sounds very similar to a puka that is a, a creature that does your bidding that hmm. um so there are figures like that that are kind of related but anywho so Salvander brody uh 1056 a.d icelandic priest uh there's folklore stories of him tricking the devil into doing things for him like carrying him from europe to iceland in the form of a seal so uh, he got around the whole pact with the devil by once he hit land, hitting the seal over the head with a Bible. So he's kind of a folk hero of the kind of gimpy devil. Yeah, uh, yeah, like the, the devil was in his place in the thousands. Mm-hmm. And so he there's also his box later. Yeah, <laughs> it became a seal, a very <laughs> stupid seal. Um, so Guy de Ries, uh, who's one of the worst serial killers in history, who Wait, he, oh oh him. The, you know him. The, he fought with Joan of Arc. Black, black, Bluebeard. Black he became Bluebeard. Bluebeard yeah. yeah. He became the, he was you know, sort of the inspiration for Bluebeard. So he's accused of killing 150 children in satanic rituals. Uh, he was arrested in 1440, um, but he, he lost his fortune after the war and fell to ruin. So he turned to occult rituals and was accused of, of course, making the human sacrifices to make a pact with the devil. But it turns out he was just a really, really horrible person. And so this is one of those instances where it seems like the whole like, oh, he was making a pact with the devil somehow becomes an excuse for like, no, 
human nature leads to monsters. Like there, there are monsters among us that have nothing to do with the occult. <laughs> you kind of, I mean, it's, you make a, make a moral lesson out of everything. That's just kind of yes, the, of the game. Exactly. But talking about some cultural figures. So you've heard that the violin is the devil's instrument, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Do you know why? I uh, Charlie Daniels. Oh, God. <laughs> that's true. It sort of carries. This is the first. This is where we get the Charlie Daniels myth. Well, I know. Are we on the Devil's Trill? Is that the story? We're we're, yes, from? we have the Devil's Trill. And there's another figure as well. Do you I, want I to talk about The Devil is a fiddle player. Like that is that is a known thing with him. And I don't mm-hmm. know what the origin of that is. So, well, I'm, I'm guessing this is the origin. But Niccolo Paganini. Yes. So he was believed to have entered into a pact with the devil, or maybe his mom entered into a pact with the devil for him to make him the great violinist that he was. That's nice. But here, story like he was kind of unhinged, uh, had some undiagnosed mental uh, illnesses. But uh, there are stories about him, such as him disemboweling a woman to use her intestines as strings. And I'm he, guessing. I'm guessing this is exaggerated. I hope so. But also, he supposedly trapped her her soul in his violin, and so when he would perform, you could hear her screaming, just like a real violin. Yes. So the second person you mentioned him before, Giuseppe Tartini, who is credited with composing uh, one of the most difficult pieces for the violin, the Devil's Trill, uh, the Devil's Trill Sonata. So supposedly the devil played it for him in a dream and he was frustrated throughout his life that he could never exactly replicate that song. Hmm. But I wonder, okay, so those two guys, sort of the um, solieri like bitterness, like maybe some of this comes from like, this person can't possibly be actually this talented. So we have to find some reason for it. Packed with the devil. That continues into a racist <laughs> version of that with Robert Johnson, um, the blues not, musician. Oh, okay. Who uh, met the devil at the crossroads and the devil granted him his musical genius. Um, but Johnson didn't deny any of this. In fact, he wrote lyrics uh, like early this morning when you knocked, knocked upon my door and I said, hello, Satan, I believe it's time to go. So... He died in 1938 uh, under mysterious circumstances at the age of 27. Um, it could have been uh, that it could have been syphilis. It could have been poisoning. Others, of course, think it was the devil collecting his due. Again, this may be a case of, you know, sort of like how can somebody be so talented added to the whole issue of race? And I have a ghost story associated with this. Do you want to hear my ghost story? Yes, Terry yes. And it may just be me freaking myself out. But so uh, we went to Mississippi once and we stayed in these cabins that were, it was kind of like weird poverty tourism um, where they had these old sharecropper cabins out in the, the Delta. So you're kind of on a swamp, you're like a swampy area. And I was so freaked out <laughs> the whole time I was in the, the cabin we were in. And I think I did it to myself because all I could, like I kept having these thoughts of, because we had just been like hearing all about Robert Johnson, this Robert Johnson, where did he die? He may have died here. He may have died here. He was probably poisoned or was it this or was it that? And I had these visions of him being in his deathbed and people mopping his brow. 
And I couldn't get them out of my head while I was hmm. the whole time I was in this house. So I didn't sleep. <laughs> I had to have all the lights on and I had to, <laughs> I had to wake up Eric anytime I had to get up to go to the bathroom. I would like accidentally knock into him. So that's my ghost, my either mental, my own weirdness slash ghost story about <laughs> Robert Johnson. <laughs> I did not meet the devil at the crossroads. In fact, I just kind of worked myself into a froth. So one of the better known mo early modernish pact of the devil is the grand grimoire, which was published in the like mid 1700s. This is one of the blue grimoires. So kind of uh, more sensational feeling. I think it's like, epitomizes that because this is the grimoire that first has a set of ritual instructions for making a pact with a devil finally uh, yes i know about about time too uh it specifically it mentions lucifer's Rockefeller, who we've said a number of times has been suggested to be an alt nym for leonard they're very similar critters so mm -hmm. just kind of bear in mind that he's a part of this this is a fabulously complicated like 30 28 step process so i'm going to keep it lively and keep it moving as best as i can and it's it's kind of ridiculous in places what uh, no it's true it's true <laughs> taking the grim out of grimoire i get the joke totally making it up i was like i have no clue that's that shirt is pain this ritual is written with lucifuge as the centerpiece demon kind of through him you can reach out to make a stronger pack with lucifer if you choose and you actually ask god and lucifer until you cast this spell so it's they, they both have your back so that's kind of nice there's two things that are kind of interesting here first off is what i've come to think of as the julia child rule which is that any particularly complicated recipe there'll be one point at around step 15 or so where you cannot accomplish a recipe because you did not do step 12 correctly <laughs> And they didn't, they didn't tell you that at step 12 in any meaningful way. This happens, this happens a lot. That's very Julia Child. No, right, you're right. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, remember that, you know, blank, remember that pasta water that you saved? Like, you no. didn't save it, did you? <laughs> uh, um, and a lot of this chunk is devoted to making a blasting rod, which is really useful for torturing demons. It's basically a demonic taser. It's like the first half of this is is that ritual tool. And there's actually a, a later, like 10 pages later, there's a version that's almost as good. It's basically a money spell uh, mm. that you can cast by just making a, a stick with a fork in it or mm. something like that. So you don't really need the full-on blasting rod, which is a, a complicated process, as we shall now now discover. Is it is it related to a dowsing rod? Um, Not really. It's okay. basically a, I mean, it's a forked stick. But um, it's basically you you take a, a knife. I'm getting away with a joke if I if I go too far down this. Yes. Road, uh -huh. it's, it's, it's the it's a forked twig, but you like ram it into dirt and and it tases the demon. OK. Um, and actually, Gabby, when I when I spoke at this presentation, Gabby asked me a question at the end, which is like, where do people come up with this? Or like, where do these ideas come from? And I didn't remember this, but a lot of the language here is about torturing a demon to get to do your will. And it's very similar to a love spell in the Liber de Spiritus, where you basically bind a woman's soul into a circle and torture it until she gives into you. 
Um, Hi, Gabby. Glad you're listening. <laughs> but, but 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 the like the, the language is kind of similar. Um, I'm not going to say this is a good way to win someone's affection. <laughs> wait, wait, hang on. I was just writing this down. Should I should I stop? Yes. So so first, we're going to make the blasting rod of art. Yeah. So in my in my presentation, this is when I whipped out a barbecue fork and started waving it around randomly. Keep that oh. inner child awake. Because um, uh-huh, uh-huh. it kind of looks like that. So somebody, step one, did somebody lose an eye? No, was, no, okay. no, there was nobody at the presentation. Oh, <laughs> step one: uh, avoid women or girls for a week to avoid any moral corruption. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> step two: <laughs> done. Spend a, spend a week in prayer and moderation. Oh. I, I assume that like gay guys cannot dodge point one. Like I think it's probably meant to like the standard retinue of physical like preparation for this sort of thing. Uh, step two, a week in prayer and moderation. Interestingly, sleep as little as possible. So you're really kind of batty, I guess, towards the end. Um, yeah. Uh, by day eight, uh, buy a bloodstone. You'll need it for later. Mm-hmm. Uh, number four, buy a young virgin goat and garnish it with a verbena. Why verbena? I, um, I don't know. It's an herb, you know. It's, mm-hmm. it's a... Probably got purification powers. I, I okay. have no idea. It may be just something that makes things more sacred. It does smell nice. Yeah. Step five, sacrifice goat to God, burn and throw ashes towards the rising sun. Okay. East. Done. Step three, Julia Child's rule. Rejoice while the goat burns and then save <laughs> the skin for later. <laughs> it's like the, the satanic version of pasta water. It is, it is, it is. Um, so now find a young hazel bush and spec out a branch that's 19.5 inches, specifically 19.5 inches. Okay. Um, Julia that's Child's rule. Particular. After thinking about the stick for a day, cut it down. <laughs> so you just like... Whoops. I guess if you have been awake for however long, it's possible to just sit and think about a stick, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. Step 10, cut the rod at sunrise. So they got you again. Uh, bring it home and explain the black to the blacksmith that you want to make a wand out of it and the knife from step five, which you haven't washed yet. So it has to have blood on the blood of the goat on the yeah. knot on the yeah. knife before you cut the which, gotcha. which was not mentioned eight days ago. This is like um, the way to wake up uh, King Arthur. I guess yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, magnetize the rod. Take some time to celebrate with extensive praising of God. Also, you'll need nails from a dead child's coffin. Oh, so good, uh, good query. Total consistency there. Yes. How do you magnetize a rod? How do you magnetize a wooden rod? Yeah, you take metal. the the blade hazel. Metal. Oh, yeah. Could you yeah. take the hazel rod to the blacksmith? The blacksmith is not a woodworker. Right. They're they're binding the the knife of goat slaying that you haven't washed yet. Okay, so the knife is part of the want this. Yes. Okay, so you magnetize the knife. Right, right, right. Okay, gotcha, Um, gotcha. Praise God and nails from a dead child's coffin. Uh, Pin the goat skin down with coffin nails. Use the bloodstone to trace a triangle. Add holy names. Decorate with candlesticks and garnish with verbena. The triangle, as long as you're standing on the triangle, you're safe and the demons can't get you. Gotcha. Uh, So light a fire with some brandy in it, and it smells very nice. Uh, a prayer to remind us that God is okay with all this. Take a coin, fold in paper, arm yourself with courage, strength, and, pro- and prudence, but probably not brandy. Um, <laughs> Are you sure? Two steps spent praying to God, and then invocation to Emperor Lucifer, 
asking him to appear before you without any foul odor to answer all of your questions in the name of insert spirit here for this moment. It's going to be the suffuge uh, to help you summon up other another pet demon. And so why just, the no bad odor? That's always, that's super interesting to me. I don't know. Um, I know that uh, Astaroth in particular is known to have a very bad odor. Is that and, kind of because you want like it's you want uh, like the purificate like that yeah, is the, defiling the, in itself or something? Yeah, maybe the opposite of the odor of sanctity. I don't know. You want oh, the you want okay. the inner child to stay awake, and if you right. have a bad smell, your inner child is going to fall asleep. Oh yeah, it's true. So it's true. step nineteen: invocation to Lucifuge. Come before me, Lucifuge, or you're going to be tormented eternally by the fierceness of this blasting rod. And then repeat. Uh, if it doesn't work, and then let's see, uh, repeat this invocation. If it still doesn't work, um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I command and conjure you, Emperor Lucifer, by the great living God, by the power of his unique son, Emmanuel, your emperor, your master and mind, and by the virtue of his precious blood, which he has shed to free men from your chains. I order you to leave your home in whatever part of the world you may be, swearing that I will give you not even a quarter hour of rest if you do not speak to me in a voice clear and intelligible. Or if you hear and intelligible. Yes, uh -huh. Don't smell bad either. Make sure you bathe. To send me your messenger Astaroth in human form without noise or terrible odor, failing which I will strike you and all your race with the fearsome blasting rod to the bottom of the bottom of the abyss. And by this and the power of these great words of the key uh, by Adonai, Elohim, Ariel, Jehovah, Tagla, Mathon, Alzamathon, Arioth, Pythona, Magot, Silphie, Kebost, Salamandre, Nomas, Tere, Coleus, Godin's Aqua. Immediately. You made some of those up. No, just the word immediately. <laughs> it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. It's just the word immediately. Okay. Immediately. Immediately. Um, so the spirits do not respond. Now there's a step, there's a step earlier that I forgot to mention, which is that you have to ignore the sounds. Because they're um, screaming. Lots of screaming. What sounds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when so you much poke, screaming. you poke the fire with a blasting rod, and there'll be a lot of screaming and people will show up all of a sudden. Uh, if there are no spirits, uh, you repeat the demands and shove the blasting rod into the fire again, and there'll be even more screaming. And then there's another great invocation, because they're supposed to appear immediately, and apparently they don't want to for some reason. I don't know. Uh, so the great invocation is derived from this, the Clavicum Salomon. Uh, I conjure you a spirit to appear at this very minute by the force of the great Adonai. By a low, I, I, I wanted to read this one loud because it's funny. Um by the great Adonai, by Elohim, by Ariel, by Jehovah, by Agla, Tagla, Mathan, Orius, Amonis, Arios, Menbrot, Varios, Pythona, Magot, Silfe, Kebos, Salamandre, Tabats, Nomas, Terry, Golias, Godens, Aquajinjua, Janua, Etitimus, Zaratnamenic, and A-E-A-J-A-T-M-O-A-A-M-B-P-M-V-S-C-S-T-G-T-C-G-A-G-J-E-Z, which is the initials of the demons you just read, or angels. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yes. So at this point, things are surely going to appear if they haven't already. And Lucifuge will, will appear and say, what the fuck? And enough with the blasting rod. Please stop. I and was then, taking a shower. Do you mind? And then you say, you should have come sooner while I was being polite. And you poke him with a sticky and he screams <laughs> and he says, enough with the stick. And so here's the here's the pact. You, Lucifuge, will appear for me twice a week, and I'll send you a very weirdly specific list of times on Google Calendar. Um, and there's this list of times. It's very specific. And give me all the money I ever wanted, and I will give you a coin every month because I'm nice. 
And Louis Vuitton will say, no, that's stupid. I want your soul in 50 years. And you take the blasting rod of art and poke it in this, into the fire until he screams again. And then he'll promise to do whatever you like for two hours a week. And he will send you a very weirdly specific list of times to availability on Google Calendar. And he promises to give you everything you ever wanted. But do not forget that coin or he will screw you up. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. So the coin, and, you know, I, I really don't. There's a lot of like instructions that the demon should kind of like not try and screw you over, but they're known for that. So I think this assumes a very stupid demon. It really um, does. Yeah. And also remember, this is a time that didn't have like uh, Google reminders and things like that. So you better remember that coin. Yeah. How do they? Yeah. That's it's fair. It's, I guess. Yeah. How does. <laughs> I just didn't remember keep, anything without it. <laughs> just keep calendar. coins in your pocket. Be like, oh, it's that time. Here's a coin. Just every day, I give one away. Yeah. Um, Balbareth is kind of interesting. Uh, he is the guardian of the pass, I believe, uh, is chief of the covenant. So kind of the god of the covenant, which actually is language that's used to describe L. So that's kind of interesting. Oh, wow. That yeah. is interesting. Yeah, yeah. But he's also listed as secretary and librarian of the archives of hell, master of the infernal alliance, grand pontiff and master of ceremonies, notary of the devil. And he's very, very chatty. He's in Judges, right? What? Judges? Uh, maybe. The, the book maybe. of? He's in, there's a scene where like Lucifer... Wait, I'm thinking of Belphegor. I don't I honestly don't know. I kind of leapt forward to this point to talk briefly about Connolly's complete demonolatry, which has two different pact rituals. I don't tend to like Connolly's books because... Um, like at one point, Connolly will say, I was born in an ancient family of like magic that goes back generations. Yeah. And another book will say, my family wouldn't let me touch magic at all. And they really shunned it. And it was very Christian. So it's kind of like, and then she says things like that. There are these ancient words you just speak over demons and they were written in the first grimoires. And like, I've read them and they're not there. Just uh-huh. saying that sort of thing. But her, her, her books, particularly the complete, the complete demonolatry, have a lot of ideas, take the good ones, throw away the bad ones, move on. But she has two, I don't know if it's she or not, I should know these things, has two two different pact rituals. And one is very simple. It's basically think about a demon that you want to have a pact with, and there's no hurry. Uh, take three days for preparation, avoiding booze, sex, and drugs. Um, the ritual may be done naked or clothed. That covers everything, basically. Uh, invoke the four elements, because we're all basically Neo-Wiccans. Uh, and then write the following in ink. Uh-huh. I dedicate myself to this demon's name in the name of Lucifer, the infernal monarch of Ruli Villains. I swear allegiance to demon's name forever after. I'll work with you and serve you as you so will ask and make me your dedicated student. And here I'm signing it and you burn the note. And it's extremely okay. straightforward and, and kind of almost boring, but it's like really like reasonable. Think about it. Make a pact like not 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 as a crazy thing to do tomorrow. Uh, and then there's another dedication that's ridiculous because... It involves, this is a kind of, who's the girl again from the book? This is kind of Michelle remembers. Um, (laughs) Girl from the book. Uh So an entire coven of demonolaters stands in a circle starting in the north because demonolatry symbolizes everything in the north. All all beginnings are in the north in demonolatry, which is, I don't know. And everybody bleeds into a chalice and drinks from it and says, Leviathan, bless this water that may clean, I may clean myself and start my life anew as a demonolater. And I have so many problems with this ritual because beginnings are always in the east. That's what the east is for. And mm-hmm. I have never seen two demonologists agree on anything, mm-hmm. um, particularly like not who to dedicate a ritual to. It's just crazy. Like that, that's, that's crazy fantasy. You have some questions. Yes. 
So first of all, uh, how do you find your forever demon? Is there like some online quiz mm. that you could take? Or is um, there like a Tinder for, for demons? Well, if you bought the book, The Complete Demonometer, or the complete oh, then I would, is, it, is there it some kind of little like matchy a 30, thing? A 30 page list of okay. demons and correspondences and things like that. Okay. So um, you just kind of like catalog it's, you go through it like a catalog. Or... Yeah. 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 Okay. Like you go there's no swiping. Of... Well, you could, I think there's an app for that. <laughs> That's we need, we need like either we need an online quiz and we need an app for finding your forever demon. Finding your forever demon. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but like how many, I guess you swipe right, to, you swipe right to get rid of them and swipe left to say yes. I've never used Tinder. I don't, well, I'm just sure. assuming because like it's a left-hand path. Joke. Oh, duh. Right, right. Oh, of course. Okay. I see. I see. Left yeah. chirality. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is this, do you have to be monogamous with your demon? Um, can you see other, like, can you see other demons or is it just, you've like, it's, is it like Bride of Christ thing where you're Bride of I mean, I'm not going to say there's rules because there just aren't here. But what, what a lot of people seem to agree in this path is that you do kind of have your your, your number one, your bestie. Uh -huh. And then you might have some things on the side or different ideas or backup singers sort of thing. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so the, maybe the, it's, okay, yeah, gotcha. Demon allers tend to call that their pantheon. Is like their, Okay. All right. Or their, their uh, polycule. Their... Yeah. Yeah. That's That sounds right. It depends on how you okay. want to spin it. <laughs> so how do you know that it took like okay so you've done all this how do you know that it's clicked i don't know this is presumably the outward invisible sign of an inward and spiritual grace that you've been building towards so maybe okay. you just feel more right with the world i don't know okay and what if you grow apart well there was a lot of forever language there but I mean, but I'm guessing you could just make the change. cross and it blows up. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, like what if you just realize like in a few years, like this just isn't working. Like um, either one of you decides this isn't working. Maybe there's an un undedication ritual later on. I don't know. Or maybe you rededicate to a new demon and like it takes the place of, I don't know. That seems like a question you don't want to ask. I suppose not. Yeah. Because yeah. like that just kind of like, well, you, I mean, you're just going to skip around from demon to demon forever. Are there prenups? Um, no. Okay. I'm going to say no. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I just want to know what I'm, I want to know. I want to know what, what one might get into if one takes this path. I, um, I'm going to be cynical and say mm -hmm. that demons aren't very demanding. Okay. People are going to disagree with me that from the demonology community. If, if any show up or listen, because they say that demons can be very demanding. I don't know. It's probably is probably as important as you want it to be. But this also assumes demons are real. Well, yes, it does. It does, it does make that assumption. It's just, you know, uh, I, yes. I actually had a, I was in a really good light mini lecture a few days ago, and I cannot remember the word that the person used, but it was basically um, religion through doing and acting. Mm, um, mm -hmm. And his, his kind of suggestion was that Many neo-Kapagan paths do not really require belief like you believe in Yah as a Christian. Mm -hmm. It's not that kind of belief. It's more like the shape of belief or belief by doing. Um, gotcha. It's kind of a Jewish concept as well. It's like you go through the acts, you you make the devotions, and you kind of walk the walk. And that is a different type of belief. Right. 
No, that makes total sense. So you kind of, I mean, a really, you know, kind of overly simplistic way to say it is like you fake it till you make it, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. I, I was I was leaving beer a little piece of like herb for my garden every day and I was kind of feeling good about it. It was uh-huh. a joke to me, but it's a good feeling joke. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, I think that people do like we all kind of have those things, right? Yeah. I want to Maybe know what this word deep. was. Um, Immediately? <laughs> Immediately. Yes. <laughs> Give me 10 seconds. Jacob said he made it up. I didn't. I didn't say <laughs> Victoria that cake is covered in eyes. Oh yeah, I want you to make that cake. Okay. Oh my God, it's a biblically accurate angel cake. Yeah, I want to. Make it's it a biblically accurate angel food cake. <laughs> no, Jacob's going to make this for us. What? Uh huh. It's it's pretty adorable. So I struggled with trying to find this word for a good solid five minutes. The word is orthopraxy. O r t h o p r a x y. The belief that right action is as important as religious faith. So I closed my presentation because I just thought the language was very pretty with kind of the packed invocation, like the, the main like ritual invocation from the Trugermore as written by Jake Stratton Kent, whom I adore. And one of the reasons I adore him is because his poetic language is so good. And like I find Grimoire is very dull, but his language is just just so good. So this is his kind of his calling at the beginning of the Grand Grimoire's Grand Ritual, which is along the lines of what we just talked about, the 30.1. I call ye the holy, great of power, great of glory, great of strength, the holy autochthons, thou that are the assistance of the great God, the powerful chief daemons, ye who art inhabitants of chaos, of Erebus, of the abyss, of the depths of the earth, dwelling in the recesses of heaven, lurking at the dark corners of the houses, shrouded in dark clouds, who are watchers of hidden things and guardians of the secrets, the leaders of those in the underworld and administrators of the infinite, wielding power over earth, who shake the earth and did lay its foundations. So many neat call-outs there. Thou servants in the chasm, shudderful fighters, fearful ministers, that turn the spindle, loosing the snow and the rain, air transversers, causing summer heat, windbringers, lords of fate, inhabitants of dark Erebros, bringers of compulsion, senders of sending flames of fire, bringing snow and dew, wind releasers, disturbers of the deep, treaders on the calm sea, mighty in courage, grievers of the heart, powerful potentates, cliff walkers, adverse demons, iron-hearted, wild-tempered, unruly, guarding Tataris, misleading fate, all-seeing, all-hearing, all-subjecting, heaven-walkers, spirit-givers, existing from the beginning, heaven-shakers, gladdening the heart, those who join together death, revealers of angels, punishers of mortals, sunless revealers, rulers of demons, air transversers, almighty, holy, unconquerable, Aoth, Aboeth, Basim, Isaac, Seboeth, Yao, come spirits. And I just wow. love his writing. It's yeah, that's, so that's good. That's deep. And it like that covers is... everything I, I feel like I know about these spirits, their origins and their ancient stories. And it's so cool. That is a good way to end with some yeah. Any impressive. questions? Um, I, I'm, I'm simply made of questions, but I will, I think okay. I'm good for now. I always okay. have a okay. lot of questions. I will, that's what keeps me alive. We'll circle back several times in the medieval to some of this, I think. I think we will. Yeah. I think we will. For sure. And really, we're getting to the medieval too, because we're going to talk about, uh, Bahamut lit soon. Yes. Yay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Excitement. Everybody's um, favorite goat friend. I wonder what we're doing for episode 75. Are we doing the family-friendly demon love? 
maybe no maybe lucifer for 75 oh let's do lucifer we've already got a lot of we got a lot of material for that yeah yeah he'd be a good 75 Uh (laughs) uh-huh uh well dear listeners i'm glad you joined us i don't recommend trying any of this at home Um, no yeah save the pasta water yes do save the pasta water (laughs) remember by step eight to a red step Uh that's right Uh, and until then we will see you in hell Bye. This podcast is copyright 2023 by The Dispatchist and is Creative Commons. You're welcome to reuse with attribution. Look for us on your favorite podcast app. Say hi to us on Twitter or Gmail at The Dispatchist, no spaces. Check out our website, dispatch.ist, for episodes, show notes, and a variety of hellish resources.